0: Welcome to Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I encourage you to seek the advice of a physician, a DO, or an MD with any concerns or questions you have about your symptoms or medical conditions. Hello, welcome again to First Line. This week I'll be discussing different types of psychotherapy. That is a follow-up to last week's episode. So if you haven't already, I would recommend listening to that episode. I discussed supportive psychotherapy, which also is known as counseling. I discussed behavioral therapy and cognitive therapy, as well as the combination of these two, known as cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. I also discussed motivational interviewing as well as group therapy, family therapy, and couples therapy. So those are all really common types of therapy and this episode I'm going to get into a few of the other types that can be used. So the first one I want to discuss is called interpersonal therapy. And this type of therapy focuses on interpersonal relationships, especially ones that are problematic. Interpersonal therapy can identify those relationships and also analyze them. Really, the therapy works by improving communication skills as well as self-control so that the individual can... Properly approach these problematic relationships in their life. Interpersonal therapy also uses a medical model, and this refers to looking at mental health conditions the same way that we look at any medical condition like diabetes or hypertension. So, viewing the depression as a disease process that is distinct from the person. So, differentiating between having depression and and being a depressed person. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It's a disease process, and it seeks to identify different connections between this disease process and different life events. So, an example of this is with eating disorders. Eating disorders is a great example of how interpersonal therapy can be used effectively because often eating disorders have been tied to problematic relationships especially with teenagers and young adults with their parents and whether their upbringing was uh, too rigid Or too chaotic. The rigid upbringing is associated with anorexia nervosa whereas the chaotic upbringing with a lot of problems and a lot of chaos is linked with bulimia nervosa. And you can see that with these eating disorders there is a connection often with different life stressors and the progression of disease. Often eating disorders reflects a certain coping mechanism and the body and the brain's response to life stressors, in addition to potentially an underlining susceptibility. But a lot of times the eating disorders really brought about by different trauma in their life and things that really affect the individual. So interpersonal therapy is very helpful for this population. Another population that it's helpful for is people with depression because different life stressors can also impact how severe depression is. Both depression and eating disorders can have a long-term effect on someone's life with relapses and recurrent episodes And these recurrences and these exacerbations are often tied to different life stressors that can bring back the symptoms and the struggles that come with it. And with depression, you can also imagine that having problematic interpersonal relationship in one's life can also impact uh, depression, either causing it, exacerbating it, or providing a barrier to proper treatment and remission. So the next type of therapy I want to discuss is called dialectical behavioral therapy. This type of therapy focuses on teaching coping mechanisms and teaching skills, such as relaxation and mindfulness, and it focuses on changing unhealthy behavior using emotional regulation which is the practice of making a conscious decision to choose an emotional reaction instead of just having an emotional reaction. So this really requires someone to identify that they're feeling anger, for example, and then choose to not be aggressive, not be agitated, to instead choose a relaxation technique like deep breathing instead. So some of the elements of dialectical behavioral therapy that uh, is really a highlight of this type of therapy is the mindfulness component. So focusing on bringing your attention to the present moment. Interpersonal effectiveness is also used. So this refers to Anticipating different consequences of certain situations and also learning how to build and keep healthy relationships instead of adding fuel to the fire with unhealthy relationships. And what comes up with this is also creating boundaries for certain relationships. And then distress tolerances also used with this therapy. And it revolves around the ability to practice acceptance of the current situation and the willingness to confront challenging situations instead of acting on emotional impulses. So a lot of these things that I focused on revolve around one, relationships, and two, having better reactions to emotions and better behavior in response to emotions. So this type of therapy is especially very important for borderline personality disorder. It is one of the personality disorders that I have talked about in more detail in a past episode in my series on personality disorder. So I really encourage you to give that episode a listen. So people with borderline personality disorder really do benefit from dialectical behavioral therapy. Another group is anyone that has past trauma, whether that is PTSD or not, many times people will have unhealthy coping mechanisms, and they might have trouble with boundaries, and they might have trouble in their interpersonal relationships throughout their life, whether it's healthy relationships or unhealthy relationships. They have problems in both, and those people do benefit from dialectical behavioral therapy to work through those conflicts in addition to working through their trauma and processing that people with eating disorders can also benefit, people with depression can often benefit from this type of therapy. Okay, the next type of therapy is called psychoanalysis, and this type of therapy focuses on having an individual be aware of different feelings and past events that they may have repressed in their mind. And this means that it is subconscious, so they can't retrieve it from their memory, whether that was trauma where they dissociated themselves during the experience. They cannot think back. They just don't have memory of it that they can actively retrieve. And it doesn't necessarily have to be trauma. There can be repressed feelings and uh, repressed memories that... Are not related to trauma that are just repressed. So psychoanalysis aims to resolve some of these conflicts that remain in the subconscious and that can't be actively retrieved. Psychoanalysis can include many different techniques, but one that is used is called free association, and this is when a person will just keep talking and get to a point where they can freely share whatever thoughts or feelings come to their mind. There's definitely different techniques in order to facilitate this free association, but the aim for it is that it will uncover those unconscious thoughts. Another thing that could be used is dream interpretation. So this is when someone will share with the the psychotherapist, what they dream about. And then the psychotherapist will interpret that dream and attempt to link the dream to what the patient is experiencing and their fears, their desires, and connect that to try to dig a little bit into that subconscious. So psychoanalysis is uh, usually a little bit more intense of a therapy versus a lot of the other therapies that occur weekly. Uh, psychoanalysis often occurs several times a week. And thinking about the types of people that would really benefit from psychoanalysis, I I think first about personality disorders where uh, you, you would, ha- potentially have a lot of experiences that are repressed and a lot of feelings that are repressed, Uh, please go back and listen to my series on personality disorders and you'll know exactly what I mean. I especially think of the personality disorders that do have a hard time forming meaningful relationships in their lives. Many of the personality disorders could really benefit from psychoanalysis. Other groups include people with anxiety, people with depression, and it can even be used with people that don't have any mental health condition or personality disorder, and they're just experiencing a period of time where they're under a lot of stress, and they have things that are being repressed, and they may not have any good outlets to talk about it. I'm glad that now mental health is being destigmatized, and that includes uh, taking mental health breaks and not really requiring any sort of diagnosis in order to take care of your mental health and seek therapy. So I think that that is really great. So I don't want to disclude that, that anyone could potentially benefit from psychoanalysis, especially if you're going through a really hard time and you feel like a lot of your feelings are being repressed because even with the destigmatization of mental health, sometimes it's still hard to reach out to people and find someone that you can talk to. Loneliness is a big problem, especially during COVID. So it's sometimes hard to find that outlet. And so even just the technique of free association makes a big difference to just be able to talk through everything and have someone to reflect with you on what is going on and really pull out what is in your subconscious. So the next type of therapy is called psychodynamic psychotherapy. And this type of therapy focuses on encouraging the development of insight into one's experiences. So this is really the reflective listening and the therapist facilitating processing skills about everything that's happened because sometimes things go too fast for our brains to catch up with, especially during times of stress when we are just trying to keep our head above water. It's really hard to to process everything in the moment. So taking the time to do this in a therapeutic setting makes a big difference. So this can look like uncovering unresolved conflicts that have happened in the past that you may have repressed. Uncovering some of the patterns of interpersonal relationships. So finding the similarities between a string of relationships, whether that's with your parents and then problems from your parents carry through to the problems with you have with your friends. And those problems then carry on to problems that you have with a significant other. And eventually those problems then progress into your relationship with your kids. So it's finding a pattern between all of these things and it doesn't necessarily have to go in that order. That's just an example of how things can trend through your life. And a lot of times different unhealthy relationships gets passed along instead of taking a moment to reflect and stopping behavior and patterns in their tracks, and making a conscious effort to change them. And that's really hard to do on a personal level on your own. That's why we have psychotherapy. It's something that would be really hard if not impossible to do on your own. So psychodynamic psychotherapy focuses on developing the insight and then also seeks to change the current behaviors, changing feelings, and changing thoughts in order to interrupt those unhealthy patterns and to really learn from the past in order to influence the future. Some of the particular techniques that are used in psychodynamic psychotherapy include just taking a really detailed history. Really, the psychotherapist will really focus on understanding. Your whole life story, and developing a picture of of who you are and what you've experienced and how you changed over the years and how your relationships played into that and and really f- giving the psychotherapist an opportunity to to see patterns and to see themes and yes looking at your own life story, you can probably pick up some patterns on your own, but it really does help to have someone else really be handed everything all at once and be able to to form an evaluation on it. And coming from a place where they are the experts in these techniques and they, they know what to look for, And they've worked with other patients that may have similar patterns and may have had success with changing their behaviors and will be able to inform what they do with you based off of people in the past. But then again, also knowing that every individual is different as well and really focusing on understanding your whole story. And so patient education can come into play as well really focusing on how your thoughts influence your feelings which influence your behavior and then your behavior either reinforces your beliefs and then your beliefs lead to your thoughts and it's just this loop and then helping with education based off of what you've been diagnosed with and what your personality disorder actually means and knowing your full history they can they can use your diagnosis to weave it into your history to point out different patterns that are related to your diagnosis. And psychodynamic psychotherapy really does revolve around a strong therapeutic alliance. So the ability to, for the the patient and the psychotherapist to trust each other and be able to engage with each other, even if some topics could be hard and some days the patient or the psychotherapist could be having a bad day but still engaging and working with each other and agreeing on things and coming to common ground in order to move forward and and thinking about things to work for and really just being able to agree on those things. So psychodynamic psychotherapy, I think first as being very important for personality disorders but it can also be used with patients with depression, people with anxiety, and also people with eating disorders. After that overview of different techniques I'm sure you're wondering how do I choose which of these therapy techniques is right for me and how do I seek out these opportunities? And I feel like those are big questions that I do want to go in depth about. I'm not going to have enough time to do it on this episode, but I do want to share just a few things so I don't just leave you hanging. So First of all, I do recommend anyone that is seeking therapy to use the website psychologytoday.com. This allows you to very easily search for different mental health providers based off of your location. And it also has online options as well, but you can look by therapists. You can specifically look for psychiatrists if medication is something that you also need. And for many of the providers that are listed on the website, It will actually include a bio, which a lot of times will include what types of therapies they practice and also what kind of diagnoses they're experts in so that you can refine your search. I know that there are a lot of mental health care providers and it's sometimes hard to sort through. So I really like that website which then includes links to go to the different websites of the different clinics and treatment centers that are on there. Uh, they even have uh, some resources for funding support groups as well for, for group therapy. Uh, so definitely encourage you to use that website. And I would just also give kind of an overview. A lot of these types of therapy can be practiced by a range of providers that include counselors, therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. Many of the techniques I discussed can be practiced by any of those health professionals. It really does depend on a provider's own training in that specific type of therapy. And I know that there's a lot of providers that have a bunch of different letters after their names, and it sometimes is is hard to uh, differentiate between them. But CBT is an example of something that is often provided by counselors and therapists, but is also performed by psychologists and psychiatrists. And then psychoanalysis, that is classically more performed by psychiatrists and psychologists. So that technique is a lot harder to find than some of the other techniques. And it's just not used as often as some of the other techniques. I think CBT is the most popular from what I've seen. So that type of therapy is not readily available because it's still hard for a lot of people to find openings for appointments, but it is the most widely available therapy that there is because there is more practitioners engaged in that. So if you see someone with an MD or a DO next to their name and they're a mental health care provider, it is likely that they are a psychiatrist but usually a referral would be made, and usually a practicing DO or MD that practices psychotherapy is most likely going to be a psychiatrist. And then if someone has a PhD, next their name, this usually means they are a clinical psychologist. So they also have their doctorate. However, they are not a medical doctor, They're not a psychiatrist, they are a psychologist, and they use a lot of the same techniques as psychiatrists, and sometimes they can even prescribe medication in some states. However, they are not medical doctors, they did not go to medical school, and they did not go to residency either. So it's just different training. And then someone that has LPC, next their name, this is going to be a licensed professional counselor, and they can also provide a lot of these therapies, including CBT and psychodynamic. You see LMFT, that means that they are a licensed marriage and family therapist, and counselors and therapists are pretty similar in that they do provide a lot of different types of therapies. They just have different training than a psychologist with a doctorate degree and a psychiatrist with a medical degree. So I hope that is just a little glimpse of what I hope to talk about in a future episode, which would be exploring more of the specifics between what to look for and when to seek certain professionals over others and when to look for certain types of therapy over others. But occasionally, uh, your, your doctor may refer you to therapy, but usually it is going to be you yourself contacting different clinics. So it really does put power in your hands as far as what type of care you'll receive. Um, So you have choices to make. And I think a lot of times people don't know what the right choice is. And I'm not here to say that I know what the right choice is, but I think there is an education gap in that sometimes people don't even know what to look for. And there's a lot of acronyms that I'm still learning and a lot of different uh, therapy techniques that I'm still learning too. So I am just trying to share some of the knowledge that I've been gaining in order to help you all, whether you are seeking therapy yourself or someone you know is seeking therapy, or maybe you just, you don't have a mental health condition, but you're going through a crisis right now and would really want someone to talk to you about, then I hope that this is helpful to you in order to perhaps encourage you to finally reach out to a clinic or to to just help you in the process of deciding on these specifics so thank you so much for listening and i will see you next week let me know that you like first line if you are listening on spotify tap the star to rate the show if you are listening on apple podcasts Scroll down and tap to rate or write a review. Thank you so much for your support. You can follow Firstline on Instagram at Firstline Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Firstline Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.